Welcome to We Muse Aloud, a new podcast featuring music, soundscapes, and voices speaking on a different theme in each episode. In this first episode, the subject is music. The first popular music we remember hearing. How and when we became music fans, and how our passion for music has changed over time. If you enjoy what you are about to hear, please subscribe, comment, and share it with the people you love. Feedback would be very much appreciated. And now, we muse aloud. Episode 1. Music Appreciation. My parents listened to... There was Fleetwood Mac. There was a lot of Fleetwood Mac that they listened to. Um, I remember that pretty well. Um, Graham Parsons was in there as well. The Come On People Now Smile On Your Brother. Uh, my brother and I used to turn and like we would we would smile on each other. We would like lean in and like make a make a big smile. And we thought that was a good joke because uh, it was a pretty good joke. Um, my dad really liked Jimmy Buffett, which was hilarious to me, because uh, Jimmy Buffett's terrible. But I recently had a conversation with a friend from England who was like, no one knows Jimmy Buffett in England, and Jimmy Buffett's kind of badass, because he only sings about loose women running from the law and drinking, and he does it in this, like, Caribbean style. And I was like, that's not a bad point, actually, but Jimmy Buffett's still terrible. Uh, uh, my mother always listened to Cher. And my dad was really into Supertramp, just like a ton of Supertramp. Um, yeah, and uh, I remember a lot of Roxette too. Yeah, Joyride was definitely, definitely a large part of my childhood. When I think back to growing up, I remember my parents playing a lot of John Denver. John Denver was big in our house. My mom really loved. Uh, Country Roads, and and we listened to, uh, we had a lot of John Denver on vinyl, and I also remember a lot of Beatles, we had a lot of, uh, Sgt. Pepper was, was a constant, uh, in the house from a certain, a certain age, and I remember the radio being on a lot, I remember my mother actually getting really excited every time, like, Stars on 45 would come on because it was the Beatles medley, she thought it was really... Fun, so she enjoyed that. And ABBA, too. There was a lot of ABBA in the house when I was a kid. So those are the ones that stick out the most for me uh, that my parents would uh, I remember like. my mom would listen to Bob Dylan, which, like, hugely influential for me. I, you know, will be a Dylan fan till death, do us part. Uh, and by that, I mean me and Bob Dylan, I guess. Um, and, uh, and my dad is, is, is lame, much lame. Like, my mom loved the Beatles and Dylan, like, she loved that kind of stuff. My dad, I don't think really understands music. I think he just likes to feel things. So, like, he loves, like, Pavarotti, but I don't think he understands, like, the complexities of Pavarotti's voice and the music. Or, like, Nessun Dorma, I didn't, like, tell you, you know. Uh, and... Uh, oh, I remember every Christmas hearing that fucking uh, David Bowie and Bing Crosby Little Drummer Boy, which was weird. Um, 
like, like for example, okay, so my dad really likes Pavarotti, and then and then this Christmas he all he wanted me to get him was the new Adele album. Well, I, uh, there's a certain amount of like uh, of of that kind of era of music and a lot of shares songs that I know or like ABBA, uh, Roxette. I can sing all of Roxette, kind of know it all by osmosis. So it has this nice nostalgia to it, but. Uh, I guess mostly it was my grandmother's music that kind of really stuck with me. She uh, she had a piano, and she was very into musical theater slash jazz, kind of that sort of thing. So she would always play the piano, and we would sing together. And I just, I for some reason, I loved the idea of the piano so much. It was like this magical thing. And she taught me how to play just like little songs on it by, by drawing in pencil on the white keys what the letters were, and she would tell me what letters to say. Uh, so a lot of Judy Garland, um, a lot of Ella Fitzgerald, and those are the, the things that I, I really hold, I really hold to these days. I would say, uh, in terms of the music that they played that I ended up liking, uh, I think I ended up liking all of it. I still actually have a, a John Denver Greatest Hits album, or a CD, and I also remember riding the bus in high school with a cassette that my dad had made that was John Denver's greatest hit, so I would play that a lot. And, um, and ABBA was something that I didn't listen to very much until later on. Like later on, I definitely, you know, especially because they became more, um, they kind of, they, they, they kind of, they had, it feels like they were, they were initially dismissed when we were younger, and then as we got older, ABBA became like kind of a cool, kitschy thing to, to like. So, uh, so I, I was, and especially because Elvis Costello would talk about how much ABBA influenced Armed Forces, and I would go, and I would go back and listen to some of those songs and the little piano arpeggios that then Steve Naive does on, you know, Oliver's Army and different different songs from that record. Um, and of course, I mean, the Beatles are in Evergreen. The Beatles, you know, I mean, everyone. I think, uh, I think it'd be crazy not to like the Beatles. Uh, I had an ex-girlfriend who, like, dedicated a, a Coldplay song to me, called the song Green Eyes. He had written it for one of Paul So I'm sure it means something different for him now. Uh, but, so, you know, I hear, like, like, I remember, like, shortly after we broke up, I hate that fucking song, and I hate Coldplay, but I heard that song in a grocery store, and I got a little teary-eyed because of what it meant at that time. Yeah, I'd say there's, there's definitely like different uh, different types of music. I also played in band, like uh, like an instrumental band when I was all through school. So I do have like a love for like classical orchestral music. Uh, my best friend growing up also played the fiddle with her sisters. So I do have like a Celtic. Sometimes I crave some Celtic music. Um, then there's the whole musical theater jazz thing. But I guess an album that I always go back to is Joni Mitchell's Blue. So, yeah, I'd say I'd say there's a wide variety. Very difficult time listening to the grunge era. I have a very hard every time I put on something an old record from the early '90s. Uh, I end up wincing a lot. I have a really tough time with. I used to like the Smashing Pumpkins a lot, and I can't even listen to them anymore. And I actually can't even listen to Nirvana really at all. I have a tough. I I, I don't. Nevermind is not a record that I pull out ever. 
and I thought that would be a, at the time I figured this would be like a new classic that I would it'd be like it would be like like our generation's never mind the Bullocks and I play this all the time, um, all the stuff like Soundgarden and Pearl Jam. I just honestly find it very. I find it kind of embarrassing and grating now. I can't do it. Uh, I think uh, my passion for music ebbs and flows with whatever emotional state I might be in. Uh, I think like music is there for me in harder times. And I, I feel like I go to music less when I'm like happy, which is weird. The music that I used to love that's difficult to listen to now is AFI. AFI were like the most important band in the world to me, and it's laughable how bad they've become. Um, they're just, it, they're bad to the point where it's ruined their back catalog to me. Um, and mostly because it's just like they went from being this like horror punk band with like goth rock undertones and very emotional and deep and driven to like trying to sound like the Deftones. And I don't want to listen to the Deftones. Like, I think the Deftones, um, like, are terrible. But when you've established a sound and you've established your thing, and then you change it so dramatically to fit with whatever the time period is doing, it, ugh, it's just terrible. And, like, they could have been something bigger than what they were, and they could have been much more important than what they were, and what they are now just makes me cringe. I think that I, I think in terms of a uh, time in my life when I was most passionate about music, I believe it comes and goes in waves. I think the thing, I will say this though, I know for a fact that the time in my life when I was least passionate about music was when I was writing about music. Writing about music was a real buzzkill for me. And I think it was because that was, I was writing about music from 1995 until about 1998. And I feel like that was, uh, it, it gradually came you know, kind of a low point for for music. I think I, there were definitely records that I liked a lot at that at that point, but I felt like I wasn't as excited about the music, and I and I um, I feel like I wasn't I wasn't really able to to explore the music as a listener before I had to I had to I had to digest it and have an opinion about it so quickly that I look back on certain records that I liked, like I, if I find an old, if I come across an old magazine that I wrote for and I read a review, uh, I'll often be embarrassed either because I overpraised the record or I dismissed it unnecessarily. Like I think when I, I did an interview with Radiohead when the Benz came out and I basically at that point listened to the record like maybe twice, maybe three times before I just sat down with the band. And whereas if I'd been able to talk to them a year later, I would have had a lot more to say, a lot more to talk about, but that's not realistic. I, mean, it's not gonna work. I don't know why. Lately, I've been just in a mood where I'm like, I'm like, yeah, pop music is fine. Like, I'm like, hey, that Justin Bieber song is on. I like that little trumpet noise. That's that's great. I like that. I'm not blown away by it. It's pretty dumb, but I'll listen to it. Whatever. To one of their albums, maybe, but it's also one of those things where I know all the lyrics. And I used to think those lyrics were amazing, and those lyrics are not good. It's bad poetry. Um, murderous filigree is one of the line. Let's admire the pattern forming murderous filigree. Murderous filigree doesn't mean anything. Filigree, as far as I understand, is um, like ironwork, like ironworking. 
And that murderous filigree is not a thing. It's not a metaphor. It's not poetry. It's just words that kind of sounded cool together. And I'm like, that guy wrote that when he was 25. To a lot of uh, nitty gritty dirt band, <laughs> which is uh, very funny. My brother and I would get home from school, and my dad had this big stereo system that we weren't supposed to touch, but we would crank nitty gritty dirt band and a lot of CCR, and and it just doesn't. Uh, I feel like I I out listened it. I guess I just listened to it too much. <laughs> yeah, I would say in I would say in high school. There was definitely a passion about music that I don't have now, but I think I think there's a passion about everything when you're in high school, when you're the, when you're a teenager that you don't necessarily carry forward because your head gets more full of work and and, and relationships and other commitments. I think that there's also music that I recognize was very much of a time period in my life, and it doesn't mean that I can't listen to it anymore or it doesn't mean that I don't like it but it's representative of a period of my life or a relationship that I had or a aspect of my personality that I don't relate to in the same way anymore I don't really feel the need to wear band t-shirts anymore I can't even remember when I stopped doing that to be honest it's funny because music is kind of my job in some ways too like I write about music a lot and I think um there's periods in my life where I've gone to more shows and there's periods of my life where I've uh, taken a backseat and tried to really dig in. But I think that what has happened is kind of that I've, uh, I've started to know the stuff I know um, very, very, very well because of old passions with it. I wouldn't say that I'm more passionate now or less passionate now, but... Um, there's a depth to it now that I don't think I had before, just based off of years and years of listening. Um, but I think when music mattered to me the most was probably, um, I think just as I was um, entering university for the first time, where going to shows and um, listening to bands kind of became my gateway into this new world because I was leaving home for the first time and uh, nobody knew me from um, a hole in the wall. Like, I, I got to shape my whole persona all over again. And so I got to take a look and see, uh, you know, what I liked about myself and what I didn't like about myself, and pick and choose the things I liked and, and go forward with that. And I think the soundtracks to those things were um, instrumental to, to those decisions. So, you know, the biggest one probably being against me at that period, where it was like, oh, this is what I believe, this is who I am. Um, and then the subsidiaries of that, uh, you know, in the anarcho-folk world and, and those types of things, gave me an identity uh, for a little while until I could kind of figure out who I was without those things. So I think that, yeah, probably around university was the time I was most, entering university, 17, was the time I was most passionate about music. I was most passionate about music probably when I was in sixth grade. It was when I first started playing the French horn in band, and uh, I was also in choir at the same time too, and spending more and more time with my grandmother. So music was kind of, I would spend my recesses inside practicing. Uh, I took up an extra instrument, so I also started learning the saxophone at the same time. Uh, I was just really, really dedicated and very into it.
The very first concert I ever attended was uh, in Billy Joel. And I went with with uh, Todd Dolderson and Paul Campbell. And I think Todd had been to, Paul had definitely been to other concerts, I'm pretty sure. And Todd had seen, I want to say he'd seen, I think, I was going to say Todd had seen Rush, but I think Todd had gone to see, um, I, think, I feel like Todd's first big concert was um, um, Anderson Wakeman. Uh, oh, oh uh, it's, it's, you know, what is it? No, it wasn't Palmer. It wasn't Palmer. It was Anderson Buford, Wakeman, and Howe. Yeah. Bill, Bill, oh, Anderson Bruford. Bill, right. Bill Bruford. I think it's been Anderson, different at different Anderson times. Anderson Bruford, Wakeman, and Howe. Yeah. Yeah, because then, then, then there was a Dead Milkman song called, like, Anderson Buttholes, Walkman, and Howe. <laughs> but I remember, but I remember, so he'd, I think they had each seen a concert before. It was my first time. It was at Maple Leaf Gardens. And oh, I was in high school. It would have been the Stormfront tour. And I remember the lights dimming in the garden, and this this scent wafting up. And Todd Dolderson saying, um, "You smell that? That's the smell of pot." The first concert that really stands out in my mind actually is at our the town hall in Southampton, Ontario. Uh, the the band guys that we used to hang out with. They were putting on their first concert, and it was like uh, it was kind of like like a like a punk sort of feel, but their their lyrics were all original, kind of written about things that happened around town. Like there was one song called "Crazy Van Man," about this man who lived in a van, and nobody really knew anything about him. He just like lived in this in this blue Toyota van down by the beach. Uh, and at that show, all of the guys we were we were skanking in circles and all of the guys took off their shirts and so all of the girls were like well we'll take off our shirts and, and get down to our bras and that's the first time i ever got kicked out of uh of anything uh, yeah we straight up got kicked out for taking off our shirts we were still wearing bras but and i remember just being like the injustice in the parking lot we were so angry bunch of teenagers <laughs> just like that's not right uh yeah yeah, and the guys, the guys quit playing in solidarity with us, and yeah, it was, it was a big deal. It's interesting to me because I think of, of music and bands in the same way that I think of, uh, you know, falling in a romantic love. And I think every once in a while you'll catch a band or a song that just, just consumes your imagination in that way. But can you think of something in more recent times, say in the last year or two, where you've had your mind blown by a song. Because I think that used to happen to me all the time when I was a kid, and it happens less now, and it's always really exciting when it still happens. It's funny, because I mean, all the concerts that I think of as being the greatest ones that I've seen were all concerts I saw like my first few years of concert going. I think the music that I was into, I kind of, I kind of kept really quiet. Um, aside from the times where my brother and I would blare things on the, on the stereo downstairs, but we lived on top of a hill in the country, so we had almost like a, a protocol system. We could, we knew when someone was coming home. I don't know if that makes any sense, but you could see the car coming from a while, a ways away. And so my brother and I would like turn off everything and like put our, all of our CDs away and batten the hatches, kind of. <laughs> sounds, <laughs> sounds weird, but yeah, so they weren't really aware of what we listen to, I guess. I think without music, I, it's, um, 
it's a lighthouse to me, you know? Uh, I, I feel like I would be completely lost without it. And it's fascinating to me that way of how much I need those types of things to help define myself. Um, I think that uh, punk gave me an aesthetic and it gave me um, a, a series of uh, kind of loose ideas about how the world should be run. Uh, yeah, I think that like there's a, a quote I really love where it's like, if you grew up in Oasis was your favorite band, it meant that your favorite band was Oasis. If you grew up and you knew who Henry Rollins was, it means that you liked a band called Black Flag and you had a certain idea about how the world should be run. And I was remember hearing that and I was like, oh, yeah, that's totally true. Because without music, I don't think I would have been introduced to, um, you know, the hustle. I don't think I would have been introduced to, like, ways to positively let out anger. I don't think I would have been introduced to love in the same way that I understand it. And we can get all high fidelity about it really quickly, whereas I'm not sure those things have always been necessarily good for me. But without it, I wouldn't really know how to guide through my day-to-day life. And it's funny how much that means, I guess. And it's also amusing to me to know that that's totally not other people's experiences. And I'm like, how do you do it without it? And they're like, well, we're just less anxious, I guess. First time I ever went and spent my own money to buy a record was living in Brampton, maybe being in grade seven and getting on the bus taking the bus to Shopper's World, and I bought Weird Al Yankovic's Dare to be Stupid on vinyl. And that was, I remember so being so excited buying it, and then taking the bus back to put it on. I was just, I couldn't wait to get home and rip the plastic off. I might have even ripped the plastic off on the bus and read the, I don't know if I read the lyrics or not, I may have tried to avoid that, but, because if you read the lyrics beforehand, it's gonna spoil the jokes. I, I love to listen to a new album when I go for a run. I like to run long distance. So I'm always accompanied with music there, but uh, I find when I'm gearing up for something or I just find it like punctuates the mood of my life, I guess. So if I'm, if I'm gearing up to go into a big stressful situation, you know, I'll have some sort of song that I find either motivational or will just calm me down. Um, if I feel sad, I'll listen to some sad music uh, with, with really meaningful lyrics. Uh, yeah, I, I guess it's really it's really mood induced. You listen to uh, I hadn't heard it until like when I was driving back from Ottawa recently. My aunt just passed away, so I maybe I was being a little emotional. But it, it, like a Justin Bieber song came on called "Love Yourself," and I got I, I maybe just because my aunt had just died, but I was like, oh, this is really nice. <laughs> and, and like, you know, like I was that asshole who just constantly made fun of Justin Bieber, which isn't really fair, like he was a kid and grew up in the limelight, whatever, but, but there you go, there's, you know, I think there's nothing wrong necessarily with pop music, like something like, like, like so many people. Well, here's the weird thing is that I'll often find, I don't know what the kids are doing if they're listening to the radio or something, but they'll know all these, all these pop songs that I don't know at all. I'm not sure if they're like listening to them on the car radio or what it is, but, the, but their songs they'll know, they'll know the lyrics to them. And I, that makes me feel old, for one thing. Kids love One Direction. They find it very, it's very poppy. I, what I find funny about One Direction is actually, all their songs sound like another band. Like they have a song that sounds like Don Henley, and they have a song that sounds like, 
you know, Def Leppard. They have, this, they have the song that starts off like, it actually starts off like, um, should I stay or should I go? Uh, so that's kind of funny. Uh, and like Taylor Swift and, you know, stuff like that. Like that's, and that's probably, and also the probably an influence of kids, like at school and stuff. Um, but in terms, but then in terms of stuff that, that, uh, I would get them into that they were, that they would like, you know, it was, it, uh, sometimes you play things and they don't stick, but other times it's like, you know, David Bowie, they like certain David Bowie songs. Rhiannon actually asked if she could take David Bowie's greatest hits to school with her. And she played, and the three songs she wanted to play were, um, Changes, Life on Mars, and Diamond Dogs, which I thought was pretty great, because that song has the word bitch in it. What punk gave me was the idea to be like, well, I'm not this and I am this, and fuck the rest of you because I get to be this thing. And that gave me uh, a community to be a part of, and it gave me um, a personality that I don't think I would have had just on my own. But um, as I've gotten older, I've realized that there's, you know, a, a dogma to that that isn't necessarily good to follow blindly. Um, and you can evolve and you can sort of redefine yourself in a lot of ways. And I think what I've learned how to do, hopefully, a little bit better is use music as a tool now. Um, so it's kind of like, it's how I learn how to paint emotional situations and it's how I um, can help to like uh, highlight some aspects of my personality for myself and for other people, but I don't um, feel like it uses me as much as I use it. And then there was this weird period. There was this. There, I remember there being a day where I was I was downstairs in my office in the morning working on something, and then all of a sudden um, I hear the stereo upstairs, and it's. Uh, it's it's X. X is like blasting out of the speakers, and like Bridget had had taken out this X CD of mine and put it on, and she was just like, she got through like three or four songs before her mom made her turn it off, and then and uh, I thought it was a one-time thing, and she put it on again like a week or two later. So I don't know. She could be she could be like a secret LA punk fan. That was pretty. I thought it was pretty cool actually. The kids are all right. The kids are all right. I think you know what. If they have an, if they have eclectic taste, I think that's really cool. If they, if they if they get into different kinds of music and you know and and don't discriminate and you know like what they like, that's I think it's pretty great. Right. Thank you for listening to We Muse Aloud. This week's contributors were Graham Isidore, Tom Arthur Davis, Gillian Welsh, and Christopher Smets. You can follow us on Twitter at We Muse Aloud, and on Facebook.com slash We Muse Aloud. Email We Muse Aloud at gmail.com. Remember to subscribe, rate us, and spread the word. In space. If two pieces of metal make contact, they will become permanently fused together. It's kind of nice, 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 n